Good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world and the universe. Welcome to my Quantum Living Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything at the intersection of science and spirituality. I'm your host, Anna Anderson, quantum coach, Reiki master, intuitive counselor, and above all, an inquisitive soul. Since my early childhood, I've been on the quest to find out how life really works. And the best clue I've got so far is the sacred alchemy of physics and metaphysics, science and spirituality, mind, body and spirit, which together reveal the truths we all want to know. Who am I? Why am I here? What is life all about? How can I live my life to realize my highest potential with fulfillment, prosperity and joy? How can I manifest what I want? I'd love to share with you on this podcast what I have learned over the years and bring you inspiring conversations with my guests who will share their expertise as well. So sit back, relax and enjoy today's episode. Okay, let's begin. Hello and welcome back to Quantum Living. Today's episode is one of the nine weekly bonus episodes I am releasing during the Christmas and New Year festive season, in addition to the regular episodes coming out every second Wednesday. These bonus episodes were first published on my podcast a few years ago, and later on, at some point, they were removed from the RSS feed as the production was somewhat outdated. I have now decided to bring them back to you, refreshed and remastered in line with my current production framework. The quality of the conversations, insight, humor and deep thought, however, is the same. You might notice perhaps a different style of my interviewing, a different pace or approach, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. After all, This is not about me, but about the contribution of those guests to the narrative of the intersection of science and spirituality in the field of their expertise. What they have shared with me and you on these podcasts is timeless, relevant, often profound, entertaining and fun. (laughs) So sit back and enjoy these bonus interviews, and if you like, please drop me a line on my podcast website about your experience. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's begin. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, across the world and the universe. Thank you for tuning in. Today we talk about all things psychic. It's a fascinating topic for most people, even the hardcore skeptics, I suspect, because of its unusual nature and the deep connection to who we really are. Before I introduce our special guest, I'd like to set the scene for this conversation. Psychic abilities and phenomena are as old as the human race. The so-called psychic abilities are an integral part of us. They are our sixth sense, literally, our communication channel, just like our vision, hearing, taste, touch and smell. 
The reason they evoke so much fascination and as much controversy is that they sit at the very intersection of science and spirituality, in a truly quantum position. They may or may not be accessible, they are difficult to prove. In principle, they don't rely on any part of our physical body or our physiology, although certain adjustments to our physical body and our emotional state can be used to strengthen our psychic sense. But in essence, they are elusive, appearing and disappearing, just like all quantum energy, pulsating between the dimensions, reminding us of our quantum nature. Psychic phenomena have been studied and experimented with for centuries, in scientific labs since World War I, if not before, and proven to be much more than a fluke of nature or someone's imagination. The military-industrial complex and intelligence agencies in many countries have been developing, testing, and using psychic abilities of the pre-selected subjects for various purposes for many years. They are interested in particular in remote viewing, which is clairvoyance, combined with astral projection set in the specific protocols, telekinesis, which is moving objects at will through space and time, biolocation, teleportation, astral projection, dowsing, telepathy, to name just a few. Science explores energy manipulation and aura reading in medical applications. Police often work with psychics to locate the missing persons or even solve crimes, although they don't announce it on the six o'clock news. On the other side of the spectrum, all things psychic are linked to spirituality, to our spiritual beliefs and understanding. Please note that I am not referring here to religion, as religion is a man-made, dogmatic, institutional framework based on the particular set of spiritual beliefs. Spirituality, on the other hand, is a belief and acceptance of a higher intelligence that gives us life. That's it. Channeling, automatic writing, prophecy, divination are said to connect us with the spirit, angels, spirit guides, entities from other dimensions, other worlds, God, the universe, the creator, whatever your belief system is, but it's always a discarnate, highly intelligent consciousness, or the collective universal mind, the Akashic records, the field of information, the field of energy, the quantum field. Back to science, we have closed the loop. We have bridged the gap. So we can look at psychic abilities and phenomena from either end of the spectrum. Regardless, they have their own place at the intersection of science and spirituality, bridging that gap. And that's what I would like to highlight in this program, even as the undercurrent of what we'll be talking about, because I feel that it is important for us to recognize this unique nature of our psychic abilities and be more open-minded and receptive to accepting and nourishing them in each and every one of us, bridging that gap. How? I will put this question to our special guest, whom I'd like to introduce to you now. It is my great pleasure to introduce to you Victoria Cochrane, a psychic channel, spiritual healer, 
Advanced Theta Healing Practitioner, the 2019 Tasmanian Psychic Expo's Psychic of the Year, and author of three books, with the fourth one on its way. Victoria is a certified member of the International Psychics Association and the Australian Reiki Connection. And she joins us now from Tasmania via Skype. Hello, Victoria. Welcome to Quantum Living, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hello, Anna, and thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Lovely. Okay, Victoria, to kickstart the show, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you became a professional psychic? I have been on this journey for about 11 years. Before that, I had no idea that I had such abilities. Right. Which, uh, for some people, they can say they've been psychic all their lives or they've always known they've had psychic abilities. Apart from my sister telling me that I did see ghosts when I was younger, I really didn't know that I could be psychic. And I used to think, I, I, I think I could be psychic. Um, so I just did the normal thing of going to school, going to teacher's college, becoming a teacher, getting married, having three children. We moved to Tasmania in, um, 1989. And it wasn't really until I went down to Hobart to teach in 2007 that I started to realize that something was going on. Mm-hmm. I could smell cigarette smoke around me all the time. Wow. And it was my grandfather. I worked out after a while. It took me a while to work it out. And I went to psychics to see if we could work out what was happening mm-hmm. because no one else could smell it except for me. Um, and it was pretty kind of Spooky, but I wasn't frightened. I just, it just was driving me nuts, really. I just wanted to know what was happening. And finally, I went to a psychic who said, Look, I think that you could go into, uh, I sit under an archway or something like that and just clear your mind and just get some messages. So I did try the archway, but that didn't work because it was right on closing time in the botanical gardens and we were on a schedule. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, come on, Pa, get on with it, please. I've got to go. Um, And so the next day I thought, right, I'm going to do it. And I had a pen and paper. See, and I didn't know what it was going to be like. Would I get a booming voice? Would I hear something? What was it going? I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I went into a rotunda in the botanical gardens and I just really cleared my mind and I just started automatic writing. No one had told me how to do that. No one had showed me, but it just seemed like the thing to do was to accept everything that came in and I just got something about financial business, salary sacrificing, and he was a chartered accountant, so that made sense to me Interesting that uh, Pa's message would be about being careful with money and putting some away and making sure that we salary sacrifice towards towards our retirement. Okay. And after that, I grew more and more able just to receive messages, which I realized was just a thought that's not my own. So the thought just comes in and uh, I know that I haven't thought it. So over the, the next week or so, it just strengthened and I just kept practicing. I was also starting to hear light switches go on and off and uh, was able to 
recognized that was my paternal grandmother coming in and needing spiritual guidance. Right. That was possibly a little bit later on, but it was still when I was living down in Hobart. So, yeah, weird things started happening. But they were good things because mm-hmm. I was really embracing this new gift that came in. And it wasn't long after that happened that I saw an advertisement for a spiritual development course that I just knew I had to do. And despite cost and everything and my husband's protestations, I went along. The lady let me pay it off week by week. It was a 15-week course. And in that time, I met Archangel Michael, who had been flashing blue on my glasses to try and to let me know he was there. Met him and I learned to meditate And I was taken to the seventh plane of existence, which in theta healing terms is the creator of all that is. And I didn't do theta healing till much later, but we were taken there that we were just told to go there. So that was my first experience. And I always just say that then I was on the spiritual train and that was just it. And everything that happened, I just loved and I embraced it. And it was my awakening and I was 48. I'm 58 now, so it's not quite 11 years yet since my awakening. So it's been a pretty amazing journey. It is amazing. My children didn't grow up with me being psychic. My husband didn't marry a psychic. My parents certainly didn't bring up a psychic child. And so it's been a big change for everybody. Victoria, let's start with the basics. What are psychic skills? What does it mean to be psychic? Can it be dangerous? How do you receive psychic information? And also, could you please give us a few most interesting examples of your psychic work? For sure. Well, there are lots of different ways we can be psychic. And I always say that I am proof that we all have the ability Uh I think the the most uh, basic of all psychic abilities is our intuition, that we just know something doesn't feel right or something doesn't sound right or we just have a hunch or we trust our gut. That's right. And so uh, I know of four clairs. I have someone, uh, I have heard someone talk of eight clairs, but they are uh, four other clairs related to the four main clairs. So People are psychic in different ways, Mm -hmm. but all people have an intuition or just uh, can just have a feeling or a knowing that something's not right. Science can probably explain that and you probably know more about that than I do because I, I really just know what I see and feel and hear when it happens. Uh, which makes it harder to teach when you just do it and other people want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, psychicness for me is the ability to channel, so that's to receive messages that are not my own. So I could just be driving along and think I'll go and visit that person this afternoon and then the next thing it'll be Archangel Michael because I'm, I'm with him all the time. Oh, they're not home. Oh, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's my clear audience. It can come in different ways for other people. Occasionally I will get a clang or I'll get my name. I was drifting off once and in a healing and I heard Victoria, so creator was telling me off. So 
generally for me it's a thought so that's clear audience and that came in first but clairvoyance is the ability to see everything with the third eye that you can't see with the naked eye and I know that people do say that clairvoyance or they they define it as being able to see into the future but for me it's being able to see energy with my third eye okay and I, I generally have my eyes closed but I can do it with my eyes open as well and so that's clairvoyance for me and that's uh, a very strong clair as well mm-hmm. then there's clairsentience where you just feel and you just get a feeling and a lot of people are psychic that way they can't see or visualize but they get feelings. They get the hackles on the back of their neck or they get the gut feeling. But for me now, Claire Sentience is also Archangel Michael burning my foot on the right ankle when he wants to tell me something <laughs> or Jesus just bubbling uh, energy up my side or Lord Melchizedek or just a gentle soft touch around my head. I was in a healing the other day and a lady was just tired all the time and I could tell that it was some kind of spiritual um, spiritual disconnection or some kind of thing. I was feeling into the energy and then Archangel Michael uh, burnt my foot and told me that it was amino acids or lack of amino acids. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I can just tell and convey what I'm being told and what's shown and just say maybe just go and get that checked or whatever. So it comes in different ways. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is clear cognizance, which is when people just know something. Mm -hmm. You just know something about about someone. Um, I think that's the most invasive of all clairs because Mm -hmm. I don't want to know everybody's stuff or to hear everybody's thoughts or to just know everything about them. And I'm sure people don't want me prying into them either. That's right. And actually someone put up on Facebook the other day, What's the what's a myth about people being psychic? And my answer was that uh, a psychic immediately knows everything uh, about you. And for me, uh, that's uh, that couldn't be uh, further from uh, the truth because spiritual law uh, says that we all have free will, but there's also a law of non-intervention, and Absolutely. we really can't intervene in anyone's free will or pry into their private business until they give permission. Yes, I agree. And so I'm not going to tune into anybody and uh, I don't need the karma, thank you very much, but I also I need the person to give me that permission and to want me to do that. So I'm not claircognizant. I really don't get stuff. In fact, I could be blissfully unaware of spirits flying through the house even. I, I don't tune in until I'm asked to or unless they kind of land on me and tell me that they're there and that has mm-hmm. happened where I've just bubbled all over with energy and but uh, generally um, I'm very good at blocking that off. One of the most frequent questions people ask when wishing to develop their psychic abilities is, can psychic work be dangerous? Yes. And there are many horror stories out there about demonic possessions and malicious entities and such giving the wrong information or advice, which might stop people from pursuing this spiritual path. Absolutely. So my question is, 
Can such bad connections be avoided and how can we protect ourselves and the people we are working with? Yes, well, the first thing I can say is step away from the Ouija board. Yes. Because uh, the Ouija board will open up the spirit world and it's a big wide spirit world out there. We live in seven planes of uh, existence. They're not seven dimensions. There are lots of different dimensions. There's a difference between dimensions and planes. The planes of existence are uh, explained in Theta Healing Books by Viana Stadel. But the spirit world is where people go when they when they die. And actually, they're just in a higher vibration. And they're exactly like they were when they died. They just don't have a body. And I can tune into a person that's passed over when I get permission and the person would like to speak to their father or mother or grandmother that's passed over. And they say what they would have said in, uh, in life and they still have the same energy. So nasty in life, nasty in death. <laughs> and there are lots of different levels of, um, of spirit world and lots of dimensions. So very low dimensions and then a lot higher dimensions. And if we're tapping into the spirit world without really knowing who we're talking to, then we could be bringing in the Boston X murderer of 1873, goodness knows. And also, it's a lower vibration. Uh, the spirit world, uh, the fourth plane, is also where shamanism comes from. And it has very uh, strong and quite nasty vows and commitments that can be things like an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. I need to sacrifice my sight to be close to God. I need to give away my energy. I need to – it's a sacrifice, not just a trade of energy, a sacrifice. Okay. There's Reiki and cards and, and all of those things are beautiful healing modalities that do come from shamanism. We just need to know how to connect in the right way and then we can use them beautifully. The upper fifth plane is the masters and the archangels and their information is a lot more reliable than the spirit world, but they also have opinions and they work for the greater good, uh, not, and which is not always for our highest and best. Interesting. So if we're not aware of this and we give our free will and our permission, then we can be sacrificing our energy too because masters work in duality of good and bad or archangels do as well and also of a trade or some kind, and they will, the masters will talk of sacrifice. And I will say, hold on there. <laughs> no, no, no. In the energy of oneness and in the energy of the unconditional love of the creator, which has nothing to do with religion, it's just the only plane of existence that is unconditional and has no trade or no vows and commitments. There's no such thing as sacrifice. And I do not need to sacrifice my energy. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. To, um, to live in this world and to be abundant, but to also serve. And so I will always connect to the creator of all that is, which is where I was taken on the very first day when I did my spiritual course and which I teach in my Reiki classes as well. I show people just hold the intention with intended ears. We're very powerful co-creators. We create with every thought. So it is just about connecting to the light, always asking that we're kept protected, mm -hmm. grounding, asking, uh, knowing who we're talking to is the most important thing. Yes, I agree. And bringing in our archangels and guides and just addressing everything to them. And if we're not sure, talking to the creator, God will talk us, talk to us. God will answer. Yes. We just need to empty our mind and 
receive the uh, receive the answer. So yes, I do. I do warn people um, to always know who they're talking to. To always ask that they're connected to the light, to the highest consciousness Absolutely. of unconditional love. So there's no trading of energy, and that they're protected uh, throughout the whole meditation or whatever they're doing. It's very important, and it is a scary thing when it first comes in, which is why I feel that I was awakened when I uh, was, so that uh, people can come to people like me, and there are lots of people like me who now have gone through that and who can teach the right way and can explain to people, but also who can tune in and see what's going on. So the work I do is really helping to empower people to step into their own gifts in a safe way, in an empowering way. Very important message. Um, so that they can not only help the world, but be connected to the possibilities of the universe. Victoria, you have talked about your spiritual journey and becoming psychic. Yes. I would like to know, how did you become a professional psychic? And what was the turning point or that step you took to the next level of your psychic work? For me, it was uh, becoming more able to be in control of my gifts and trusting what I was being shown. It took me a good two or three years to trust that what I was channeling and bringing in was not just me making it all up. Wow. And so I really just needed to practice and to learn to trust in myself, but also in my guidance in the Creator and uh, in Archangel Michael working with me. I did Reiki one and two first, and then I did theta healing uh the first basic dna course where i did learn to well where i shared a lot of my emotional baggage and that's the mm -hmm. other thing i guess that was a big bridge was me learning to love myself yes and to uh, accept myself as a teacher and a bridge for others and then i did advanced theta healing where i really dropped all my ego and it was quite grueling mm -hmm. there were there were a lot of belief systems that i was holding that were keeping me in ego but also keeping me in insecurities about myself and my friendships so mm -hmm. after i'd done advanced theta healing that's where i really started to hit my stride and to step into my gifts and to really trust and know that what I was receiving was uh, pure, but also that I was good enough to do it. And it wasn't till I was about 51 or two that I started calling myself Victoria, uh, not Vicky. Wow. And that's where I think I really hit my straps then at about 52. But I've only just uh, retired from teaching last year. So I went professional, mm -hmm. got myself a website and started seeing clients and got myself a little room and everything probably five years ago. But I was just slotting it in in holidays and in between 
teaching and uh, at night and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I wrote my, all my books just about at six o'clock in the morning or getting up really early and just right. <laughs> or on holidays <laughs> or just being really good manager of time. Um, and so I'd like to think right. that now I'm retired and and able to focus more on um, my spiritual work that I have more time to write my full book but sadly I'm still trying to slot it in. <laughs> yes Victoria, your psychic work is definitely growing. I'd like to say here that um, that I had a psychic reading with Victoria just recently, in fact. Yes. Which was very interesting. Uh, I won't reveal any details as they are personal, but it was very interesting and, as far as I can tell by now, pretty accurate. Now, let's talk about one of my favorite topics, channeling. My all-time favorite Spirit channeling goes back to ancient Greece and Egypt and continued throughout the centuries. It really popped out, I would suggest, from obscurity to mainstream culture and our awareness with the book Out on the Limb by Shirley MacLaine, which was published in 1983. Mm. That book openly talked about topics such as reincarnation, meditation, UFOs, and of course, mediumship or spiritual channeling. For the first time, I think, in the mainstream media, it was much loved and wowed as it was shocking and controversial. This book had made a very strong impression on me at the time, and in fact, I credit it for being a catalyst for my first spiritual awakening. Many years ago, I was listening to Lazarus, whom some of our younger audience may not even be familiar with, (laughs) who was channeled by Jack Purcell, and I just loved his material. These days, it's Bashar, channeled by Daryl Anka, who has a huge following across the world. Why is channeling so fascinating? So, Victoria, what is channeling? What is the process? Who can we channel? Who do you channel? I think it's a very personal thing. And I have seen people being taken over by the spirit and and talk in a different voice and become almost like the person or the being that they're bringing in. But it doesn't really happen for me that way. So uh, I really couldn't answer that question. I can only really tell you what happens for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, For me, it's just about allowing myself to connect with the master or archangel that I'm channeling or the uh, passed over loved one that I'm connecting to for the client and really feeling into their energy and just completely trusting and being patient for the messages to come through. Channeling for me is generally about the words coming in as thoughts, but I particularly when I'm um, doing mediumship and connecting to people who have passed over, and I always go through the creator before I do that and Mm -hmm. remote view over the person and then I open up the spirit world and they come through. For me, 
it's just about really feeling into their energy and just allowing them to speak and not discounting anything that comes into my head because you just don't know. It's it's getting that self-doubt out. And so as soon as I start, so when I channel my books now, I just type straight into the computer and I, I just let it flow. But if I start to overthink it, I will stop. Sometimes I'll just go away and just come back to it straight away because it's got to just flow and it's just got to be thoughts that just come in. Okay. But as I was saying with spirit, sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes it's a picture, sometimes it's a, a word that could be three different words. So it comes in different ways, but I always sound like myself, I think, and I'm, I never really go into a trance or anything. I'm just connecting into the energy and I'm just relaying uh, what's coming through. So right. for me, I think that's a big change from what people would know about channeling and seeing people in trances. And it's actually against spiritual law too for a spirit to jump into a body and take them over. So I would never allow that to happen either. But channeling is just about bringing through a message in its pure form without ever putting my own words into it. But later I might go through it and do a little bit of adjustment. The masters and the archangels tend to talk in very oldie-worldy language. And so it, there are some people who bring through messages from Archangel Michael or, or, or any of the masters that are really quite heavy going. They say amazing things, but you have to read it three times to really understand it. Oh, well. <laughs> For some reason, the way I bring it through is quite basic and very easy to read. And I like that because spirituality and psychicness should be accessible to everybody. And for people who are just coming into it, just to be able to understand the basics. Yeah, but I think it's very, very personal for everybody. Okay, and what about fake psychics and fake channelers? There are people who claim they channel a particular entity. Yeah. And I have listened to several of them. And I must say that in spite of being spiritually very open-minded, yeah, I was quite skeptical regarding most of them, I have to say, including few well-known and widely acclaimed psychics. Yeah. I won't mention any names, but I wasn't convinced and still actually don't believe that mm. these people are genuine psychics or about the source of their information. What are your thoughts about this? Well, I think you've just answered that question because if they're fake, people will know. When you're in integrity and you're speaking uh, and you're bringing through uh, the masters, the way they speak and their messages are very pure and they speak only of love. They won't be speaking about, they shouldn't be speaking about the channeler themselves or it shouldn't be a message about the channeler or ego you know anything to do with ego or anything like that it should be a message generally in the masters or archangels it will be about working with love and all about love and there might be some talk about what's going on in the world but it will always be of hope and always uh, be uplifting and never leave the person feeling like 
that negativity, it's always going to be positive. Yes, I agree. So the, the Archangel cards are a good example of that. If you're bringing through a spirit, then you could get really negative messages. And if you, I have brought through fake masters or um, those masquerading as masters but just wanting to be one, but they talk about, look how grand you are, look how they're trying to pump me up and put me in ego, I'm never going to invest in that because it's not about me. I can't help anybody if I'm in ego. So ego just gets in the way and people will pick up on it straight away. And particularly if someone's charging too much or anything Mm -hmm. like they're talking about themselves all the time or anything like that, people will know and they'll just turn away. And what about messages that are positive and uplifting and we do resonate with them? Yes. But people who channel them say that they come from their higher self or their soul or somewhere from within themselves as opposed to an external entity, archangel or God, would you still call them psychic channelers if the information is coming as their intuition, as their own thoughts, without being attributed to any particular entity? Yes, I still would. As human beings, we don't think that we can access higher knowledge or universal wisdom But our higher self holds all the knowledge that we have learnt over all of our past lives and is also really our Christ consciousness or our Christ itself, which is the bridge between our physical selves and our higher consciousness and divine knowledge. And so, yes, definitely. Okay. And the higher self is actually generally a master or some kind of entity. So. We're ethereal beings having a human experience and particularly if a person is struggling, I'm going to be wanting to help them to see who they are in spirit and who their higher self is um, so they can access that higher guidance. So yes, definitely it, it is still channeling. And when I'm channeling, sometimes I really feel like it's coming from me. Mm. I feel so connected to Archangel Michael that I know this stuff. I don't know how I know it, but it just resonates with me. So if it resonates, but because we're our highest, our physical body, our emotional body, our mental body, our spiritual body, our causal body, our higher self are all one and the same connected, then connected up to through all our galactic chakras up to the creator then it's all connected. And that's where we leave Psychic Talk with Victoria Cochrane for now. Stay tuned for part two coming up next week. That's all for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you really loved it, please post a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to encourage others to listen to it. For the show notes, guest and podcast info, reviews, comments and much more, please visit quantumlivingpodcast.com. And if you'd like to dive deeper into quantum living and explore how you could work with me, please contact me and I'd be delighted to help and support you on your quantum journey. I am your host, Anna Anderson. I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode of Quantum Living. Until then, keep your vibrations high and be well.